check, 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 check. All right, I think we're, I think we're good. Amazing. All right, problem of evil. You ready? I'm ready. Welcome to TikTok Theology, a podcast that tackles the major trending topics on social media that concern the Christian faith. I'm Megan. And I'm Steven. We know you can't form a theology in three minutes or less, but those videos can identify current issues. TikTok will give us the prompt, and then we'll do a deep dive. Thanks for joining us in this exploration. Hello, friends. Today we will be talking about the topic that I think everyone has had some experience with. We've all run into at one point or another, Mm -hmm. and that would definitely be the um, problem of evil, God and the problem of evil. I think that's definitely become a thought more so recently, especially since the COVID pandemic, when Mm -hmm. I can't really think of anything that has been so universally deemed as evil and awful and terrible. Yeah. things that we've all experienced. So we're going to be chatting a little bit about what the problem of evil means for us as Christians and in the world. Awesome. All right. So the problem of evil is a super famous philosophical issue that's mm-hmm. been brought up all the time. And a lot of times people will think it's the quintessential like argument against Christianity. Sure. Like it is a, a way that you can, you can basically prove that maybe there is some kind of higher power, but at least the God of Christianity is impossible. Right. If a good God exists, then how mm-hmm. can evil exist? That exactly. Kind of yeah. That's, that's the general thing. So like David Hume, a really famous philosopher, mm-hmm. um, you know, after the Renaissance period that was really deemed as one of the great first voices that was socially accepted as an atheist. Mm. So a lot of times, because we, it was a very theocratic society, um, it was looked down upon. This was one of the first ones that was like, okay, it's, it's, it's fine. And yeah. he was speaking rationally and he spoke, He has this quote, is he willing, talking about God, is he willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then is he impotent? Is he able, but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Whence then is evil? Mm. Mm. Mm, Something to think about, (laughs) which is why we're here to think about it. (laughs) Also, I think we should be using the word whence more in our everyday I agree. Where did the word whence go? Bring it back. Whence shall we return? (laughs) Okay. So essentially this is the problem. There's four propositions that seem to uh, have a contradiction. Like all four of these propositions can't be true in this problem of evil. That's Mm. how it sees it. Okay. Proposition one, God exists. Okay. And not just God, but like the God of the Christian Bible. Right. God exists. Proposition two, God is all good. Proposition three, God is all powerful. And proposition four, evil exists. Got it. So if God exists, wills all good and is powerful enough to get everything he wills, then there wouldn't be evil. Interesting. Right? Hmm. If God exists and wills only good, but evil exists, then God does not get what he wills. Right? So that would make him not all powerful. Right. If God exists and wills only good, but evil exists too, then God wills evil to exist. Hmm. And that would make him not all good. So, all together, if God... (laughs) means a being who is both all good and all powerful and nevertheless evil exists, then such a God does not exist. Interesting. So again, it's not saying that there couldn't be some kind of a higher power, but it is saying the Christian God, the one that we say is omnibenevolent, all good and omnipotent, all powerful. That can't coexist with the existence of evil. Interesting. All right. And David Hume was an atheist. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. There it is. That's the problem. There it is. Problem evil, baby. So what do you think? How is this, uh, how are Gen Z folks talking about this issue in particular? 
I think that the problem of evil one has always been a thought. I'm sure people for forever have been like, oh, well, if God's good, then how have we ended up here? And, but I think the rise of the question of the problem of evil and why it's become a conversation on TikTok or uh, different social media platforms has been because I think it was one thing back when we knew evil happened, but we didn't necessarily have access to the wealth of knowledge Mm. in the world that since social media and the internet and all that, like we don't just know the negative that happens in our specific space. Yeah. Like we know when something goes wrong in Africa, in South America. So we see like a preponderance of evil. Yeah. Like it feels like we see more evil or more evils happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I would argue that this evil's always occurred, but we just didn't always know that it was happening all the time. So like in your bubble, Maybe if um, some evil events happen um, and they were infrequent, you could say like, generally my life is good. Yes. These evil things then must be like a a random occurrence or something that's not usual. Right. So I'm not going to form my whole reality. Whole thought about it. But because we're in a global reality, you see evil everywhere. Evil all over the place. And because of the nature of the media, Mm -hmm. evil sells tragedy sells sickness sells so like all of the media is kind of like this thing went wrong and this person died and this person like this that and the other thing and so i think that this has become a really prevalent conversation mm-hmm. for uh gen z especially us especially after like the covid pandemic and then we saw like the black lives matter movement and all of the police brutality that we were seeing we were mm-hmm. seeing injustice in immigration and stuff like that where evil things are happening and we've never been exposed to so much (laughs) evil at one time that we can kind of just like open our phones and it's look evil is looking at us in the face. And also, um, fear sells. Yeah. Like you can really galvanize the fear mongering Mm -hmm. through fear. And how are you, how are you making people afraid? Right. Is by highlighting the evil that's possible. Right. And so very easily, I mean, we, it's proven that you remember the negative more than you remember the good. So Mm -hmm. it's very easy to get caught up in, the horrible evil things that are happening and forget the really like beautiful, amazing things that are happening in the world. Um, But I think that reality of this, of understanding the globe and social media feeding us a lot of fear and negatives and tragedy. Mm -hmm. We, it has led a younger generation, a Gen Z generation to ask questions of, okay, I'm seeing a lot of evil. I'm seeing a lot of bad. Mm -hmm. Where is a good God in the midst of what feels like a really tremendously evil world. Yeah. So perhaps um, maybe some other generations, uh, like uh, my parents would be boomers. Um, Yours are probably Gen X, right? Maybe Gen X or boomers. Yeah. Okay. So like, what's the forgotten generation? That the silent generation. They're they're like in their Gen Y. No, they're like in their late seventies, eighties. Yeah. Oh, then I'm wrong. My parents are in their forties. That's Gen X. Okay. Yeah, Gen X. They're Perfect. The, the I'm angsty. terrible. I'm literally awful. I get like, I'm baby boomers and then I hop right over to millennials. <laughs> I'm like, oops, I lost everyone Baby in the boomers were the ones when they were young, they were um, like in the hippie generation, Jesus mm. Revolution, stuff okay. like that, 60s there and we stuff, go. 60s, 70s. And then um, Gen X are the ones who grew up in the late 70s and 80s. Okay. And so they were part of the, um, like the yuppie, the, like the yuppies were like powerful during that time. Got it. And there's also, there's kind of seen as like the first postmodern generation so they're like actually really angsty and if you think about <laughs> the music, we all yeah, I mean, we are. Are we all a little like, angsty? So when i was um when i was a youth pastor um my my group was speaking to millennials and a lot of the it was it was a very diverse church but a very old church like yeah. there was a lot like it was 100 years old so there was a lot of older generations there too yeah. and 
they assumed that the youth were um, like Gen Xers, like very rebellious Gen oh, Xers. Oh, got it. And so I had to explain to them, I was like, uh, Gen Xers, you know, they were the latchkey kids yeah. raising themselves. Right. Like, and then uh, like MTV and like um, just kind of like all that, you know, even think about their music. Like they were like, uh, like, you know, punk, um, right. hardcore. Like that's all that <laughs> stuff was like really big in the like in, in the 80s and yeah. in the early 90s you had like rap getting like like east west you know like of course everybody gonna kill everybody you know that kind of stuff of course and so um so that's the that generation um was one way and then millennials though were like very different so they they're seen kids they look like you know all my students and myself included i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put myself out of it you know let me put myself in there we're dressed all in black you know we have like we're band shirts we're wearing like august burns red and like under oath and stuff like that you know and so but they're all like seeing kids and seeing kids and millennials are very, um, they were, I had to explain to them, they're much more depressive than they are angry. Sure. So they were more like, it was more internally focused than it is for the other one. Yeah. And, um, and so you think about like the suicide rates went through the roof yeah. with millennials and then Gen Z is even worse. Right. And so that's, um, which I think is even lends to this problem of evil conversation of like, there mm-hmm. is like a hopelessness, There's a hopelessness in this generation. Yeah. And so, and, and I think, you know, speaking, you're speaking of generations. I think that's actually pretty important to this because I think boomers and Gen X even, mm-hmm. they have a pretty strong pre-globalized framework. Sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not, yeah. not that it wasn't globalized. It was, yeah. but the media wasn't nearly as pervasive as it is now right. with the internet and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so they had a, a more uh, focused view of life and reality that maybe um, the evils weren't as you didn't you didn't see every evil in the whole world at the right. same time, whereas uh, millennials started having that very strong global reality, and then uh, Gen Z is conti- entirely brought up in it in that reality. Yeah, absolutely. in that reality. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that that makes complete sense of why there would be. Um, and I, I think we're just we're just kind of guessing here, you know. Um, <laughs> I think there's there's sure. studies and stuff. There's definitely um, things that would corroborate it. So, different sociological. Uh, works but um but i think that that makes a lot of sense right right so how so one of the great classic responses to the problem of evil is the free will theodicy Mm -hmm. the theodicy is kind of a defense of the christian faith in light of the problem of evil yeah and i wonder how you see that as being taken yeah basically and i know you know this so i guess i'll just recap for you, uh, please for bring, you it, bring it all the way back to my brain. <laughs> I've, been, I've been gathering a lot of theological knowledge recently as I've been doing my master's work and things mm-hmm. just be fleeing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so right, please right. bring it back yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. I got you. I got you. So the, the free will defense is evil can coexist with a good and powerful God because God made creation um, and specifically humans um, in creation to have free will. Mm-hmm. And so evil exists not because God desires it or wants it, but because if someone has the freedom to choose God or not God, then inevitably they have the um, ability to choose evil, which would be the not God. Right. And why would God make us with free will? Um, It's because God wants uh, love to be genuine. Right. Um, So God has creation, uh, you know, God in his creation wanted to uh, um, not make things that were you know, like robots, autom- automatons, you know, just like, right. um, just kind of like living there and parroting back to God, you know, exactly the things that are scripted, but, um, but a genuine loving relationship, the greatest metaphor that we use of God in the Bible is father, you know, so mm-hmm. that, that kind of a relationship 
where it's a genuine love. You know, I have an eight-year-old daughter and I don't want her to just be like a little robot that I, you know, yeah. I made. Because <laughs> like, uh, I love you because I have to or because right, no, it was pre-programmed. Nobody would want that. Like right. we, we would want, we want our children to love us, um, you know, from themselves, yeah. genuinely. And, um, and the same is true of God. And, and this would be because, and the reason why we have that desire is because we're made in God's image. Right. And so this is something, you know. Yeah. So that's the kind of the theological background of it. And that would be an answer. So what do you think of that? How does that settle? I've seen two sides of TikTok. And you, you and I were even watching a video before we started, yeah. before we started <laughs> uh, recording. Oh, that video. Um, of like this almost mockery of free will of like, oh, well, if God is good and made free will good, then why didn't he just make people good who only pick good things with their free will? Because well, the way he was saying it was like, <laughs> oh, well, if you're free will, then you can't be uh, like, it was almost like that. Like, yeah. well, God's good. Right. Yeah. And God's free. Right. Yeah. God free will. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so couldn't God just have made us good since good people can exist freely? Like, you know, and, <laughs> and there, are, there's that. So there's that side <laughs> okay, of, yeah. of, of TikTok. And then there's the other side of like people who are actually presenting that argument on Christian TikTok and being like, this is an actual answer as yeah. to why the problem of evil is mm -hmm. here and how we can respond to that. I think for me, I've always been a really logical person. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I had like the concept of free will really made sense to me mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, well, I've been given the choice. Right. And so if I choose God, then ultimately that is choosing good. But then, you know, you, I, you also have the option or people have the option to not choose God. Yeah. And so for me, that made a lot of sense. I was like, oh, perfect. Like <laughs> you choose God or you don't. I know it's pretty nuanced and I know my, my mom is actually more emotional than me. And so she sometimes <laughs> she needs like a deeper like, oh, why? Or it needs to like really resonate in my in my emotions. And I'm not so much like that. So for me, a practical person, free will made a lot of sense mm -hmm. where I was like, oh, I have been given the freedom like a, the gift of free will by, mm -hmm. by God mm -hmm. and I get to choose him yep. and then to not choose him can result in evil, right? right? Like, cause there are a lot of people who you can make the argument like there are quote unquote good people. Like maybe they're not religious, but they're quote unquote good people and they make quote unquote good decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think that like the situation with that is, is how we would define, you know, good versus evil and that kind of thing. So it's like free will I'm in free will works for me <laughs> and the way that you explain it works. But even we were kind of talking a little bit about, um, how we can define good or like even talking on Hume's thing about like God being good yeah, and whether or not that's like a good is, is who God is. I know we were talking a little bit about that. So yeah, you want to like yeah, elaborate yeah. on that a little uh, so, bit? So I think, I think what the, that one dude, I think that guy that was like, couldn't he just have made people good? <laughs> I think, um, I think there's a, <laughs> I think there's a couple of ideas that, that he's just kind of dismissing one. If the Christian claim is that God is totally foundational mm -hmm. for everything, like, like God created everything. He's outside of space and time outside of all existence that is created. Right. God is it. Then we would say God is existence itself. Right. <laughs> you know, right. God doesn't exist in the sense of his existence is drawn from something. Right. God is the root and the source of everyone else's existence. He right. is, he is to yeah. use the most like, you know, 
philosophical way of saying it. Yeah, God just the is. thing that hurts the human brain of yeah. like things that don't have a beginning and don't right. have an end. Yeah. Like things that were always there that just like always makes a part of my brain melt a little bit. Yeah, because <laughs> then we start thinking like, oh, what was it like before creation? See, that, que- that question itself is already faulty. Right. Because you're using temporal language to even say the word before. Right. Because this would be a time without time. Right. You know and it just, wa- it just was. It, and, it just even is. was. Is, even was is past tense. Because so it like, just yeah, is. There you go. See, that's, it's, it's very, it's very um, obviously difficult to discuss. Yes. But, but that is the, that's the, the foundational claim for Christianity is that God as creator mm-hmm. would become the objective reality of which all things come from. And so God being good is not that there's a thing that's goodness out there. Goodness right. is a thing that exists by itself and is actually the foundational thing. And God does goodness. He participates right. in goodness and therefore he's good. Right. And that's what that guy was assuming. Mm-hmm. What it actually is, is all of God's actions because God is the ultimate ground floor of all things, right? Right. Any action that God makes or does is, is good, good. <laughs> because it's the standard from which we start deciding everything else. Right. We understand evil as the opposite of who God is. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the, yeah. So that, I, I think that's the, <laughs> that's the first big thing that he misses pretty, uh, like uh, pretty big there. Right. If God made us good, the way people are saying like, like incapable, like the way that guy was saying it, yeah. incapable of doing evil. Right. Then we, then that would foundationally like take away free will. Right. If you can't have the consequences of your actions. Right. Then it's not free will. If I said, Hey Megan, do you want some vanilla or some chocolate? Right. What do you want? Chocolate. And I was like, here's vanilla. You didn't have a choice. Right. I gave you the the image of a choice. Right. You know, but like you didn't actually have a choice, right? Right. And that's why he's like, okay, you have you can choose between good or evil, but you're gonna do good. But you're gonna do good. Then you don't have a choice. There's right. no free will there. Right. Right. And I don't think that was ever I mean, in human design was the choice. Yeah. Was so much I mean, we see decision making and free will immediately mm-hmm. in scripture. Granted it was it was bad. It was <laughs> but it's not like but at at the end of the day, like God gave Adam and Eve the choice. Yeah. He said, Here are the facts. I'm presenting, you know, the facts of like hey and the instructions and the commands and say, Hey, don't eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Or you will die. And then the choice was made. If God was really interested in making a bunch of little clones, mm-hmm. then there would have never been a fall of man because Adam and Eve would have just been like, okay, <laughs> if they could only do good, then they would have only done the good of not eating the fruit and we wouldn't be here. <laughs> right. That's good. Yeah. And, it, and it's something I think, you know, there's something really poetic and paradoxical about mm-hmm. even that, like, you won't know, you won't have the knowledge of good and evil mm-hmm. if you stay in this perfect existence with God. Right. Because because essentially, what is it? All you would know is good. Right. You wouldn't know evil because you've never enacted it. Right. And so doing that would be going against God's will, thereby enacting it and thereby knowing good and evil. Right. Because you've committed it. Right. So what about, um, so some people might argue back natural evil. Mm-hmm. So like, we can leave God off the hook for moral evil. Right. Right. Because we know that people can be evil and can they, make bad decisions right. and be evil. Sure. So what about the um, natural evils? Let me give you an example. Okay. Um, there's a, a, a televangelist that recently um, passed away. Pat Robertson. Mm-hmm. Familiar with him? Sounds, fam- sounds super familiar. He's a, um, the founder of Regent 
university. University? Yeah. And Got it. Was it. Just a then agent. yes. And, um, and done a lot of really good stuff in the world for sure. Like don't want to disparage completely. But there was one thing he said that was like real problematic. Um, he went on, <laughs> he went on the air and said, so after the, the massive earthquake in Haiti where like over a hundred thousand oh, people, I think remember, you remember this? About this? So, um, there was a hundred thousand people, um, died from this massive earthquake. Yeah. And he said that this was a response to Haiti's sin because they made a pact with the devil in the past. I do remember hearing about that. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I hate that okay. so much. <laughs> yeah, me too. But let's try to make sense of this. So yeah. in him, in, in what he's saying is that God caused this natural disaster in order to punish Haitians. Hmm. And now we know out of, out of those hundred thousand, you know, I doubt that all of those people, it's probably some, there was, I'm certain, certain there was children and other things like they didn't all make a pact with the devil. No. And even then we also, I'm sure there are Christians in there. Yeah. I'm so sure there were th- Christians there was, in there. Yeah, there was that a whole group. bunch. There was a whole bunch going on there. That's really, really problematic. Just that. Yeah. But even then we also don't, we're not just very settled with the idea that God would just kind of like use an earthquake to kill a hundred thousand people, you know? Right. So, um, so how does that work? How does the free will response to the problem of evil speak to natural evils? I think, I mean, my, the first thing that like pinged off in my brain when we were chatting about, like when you, you brought this up would be the concept of the relationship between man and nature, like mm-hmm. being broken because of sin in the fall, like how it kind of messed with man's relationship with each other, man's relationship with God, right, yeah. man's relationship with the planet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and, and there's like the whole branch of like eco theology and all that stuff about yeah. like how to, <laughs> you know, reestablish relationship with the planet. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's possible that like, because of sin entering the world and the fracturing of man's relationship with the earth, like, because I think that it makes sense that there are natural disasters. Yeah. Because there it's, I, I don't know, for me, it feels like it's all rooted in sin and the fall of, Mm-hmm. of a perfect creation because I'm, I mean, I, I don't know, but I feel like Eden wouldn't necessarily be, I think that makes having sense. hurricanes or, or earthquakes yeah. and stuff, because I feel like that is a result of fallen creation. I if think, that makes yeah, sense. no, theologically that makes sense. Genesis three um, talks about the, the land being cursed, right? right? Like, like everything was everything, everything got the curse. <laughs> yeah. Right. So when sin entered, this is sin entering the world right. and sin affects all things. So it's not that the earth is sinning or, and it's not that a specific sin is causing an earthquake or right. something like that. I think that's that's completely misguided. Right. But just the idea that God's um, perfect creation has now been um, compromised yeah. by sin, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's something that I think is, you know, like, like if you think about like a house or something, you know, um, mm-hmm. the house could have been built like perfectly. Right. And let's say there was something that happened, like like a natural disaster, or something like earthquake, right. or whatever, that compromises the foundation. Well, now these walls can fall. Right. And so when the walls fall, it's not the builder that did it, right? It was, right. The, it was the earthquake that compromised the foundation, exactly. right? And so, um, and so then, so if God is good and he's created everything to be good and then sin did enter the world and it compromises the and, uh, all of created order. Doesn't mean that creation was built on evil right. it doesn't <laughs> or mean, faulty. <laughs> right. It doesn't mean it's faulty or that's a response to a particular sin, but that, that the reality of sin in the whole world has affected everything. Right. And so I think it's, I think what happens is natural evils are great tragedies and we need to look at them as such, as opposed to judgment, thinking them as judgment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have one idea that, well, it's not my idea, but one <laughs> 
thought that I thought was the best answer to the problem of evil. Yeah. And it's not even like an answer. It's, um, it's essentially just like a theological evidence that like a biblical evidence yeah. that God cares very deeply about us. Yeah. And so, so like if we say like, Oh, well God allows suffering, God allows evil. Therefore, and this, this is an impossibility because he's good and he's loving. Right. One subtext is God doesn't care. Right. Right. And I think that's the really important ministerial subtext of this argument. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's that, there's that logical point, but there's also the fact that if, if evil is a lot, God is allowing this evil in my life, then but he doesn't he must care, not about care about me. Right. Yeah. So that, um, you know, there was a, um, there's a word scratched on the walls of a cellar in Cologne, Germany by a, a Jew in hiding the, during Nazi persecution. Mm. And it said, I believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when I don't feel it. I believe in God, even when there is silence. Mm. And so we have to think like, what is it like when God is silent? And that's, that's right. That's, those are the times when we question, yeah. how can God allow this? And that's when I think the problem of evil becomes a real issue. Not yeah. not in the kind of logical, like, like oh, this and that, you know? Yeah, not like a theological, but like a genuine, yeah, like, like personal felt that's, issue. That's experience. when it's a real issue because the yeah. philosophical part of it, I think is like, if you have a nuanced understanding of how freedom of will would actually work, <laughs> yeah. then, then then that wouldn't be the problem. But, right. then, but then the real problem, the ministerial problem is these people are really suffering, Yeah, you know? And so uh, one of my favorite theologians of all time, um, he's arguably the greatest living theologian. Um, he's in his 90s, but he's still writing and still speaking. Kicking, and awesome, still kicking, still writing, doing come awesome. on. <laughs> Jürgen Moltmann. Um, he was a prisoner of war during World War II. So he's German and he, ha- he was enlisted into uh, the German army at the age of 17. Mm. And, um, and he had to fight alongside the Nazis. He wasn't a Nazi, but like he had to fight. The, right. the German army still had to. Yeah. So as soon as he went out into war, he put his hands up and surrendered because he was mm. super against um, what was happening. Sure. And so then he became a prisoner of war and he was in an American camp and the Americans are like, this is where we acted really like, I think like good. <laughs> I think we did really good. This, uh, is, a, this is a good part right this here. This is one of the good, good parts is um, they, we gave him his theological education mm. and it's going to end up being the greatest, you know, living theologian. Come on. And um, did it right. Yeah. While he was a prisoner <laughs> of war. So like, um, and, and so he really started all of his theology, just really focusing on this issue, the problem of evil. When he yeah. saw the, the, the massacre of, of Jews. what he had seen. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and of his own people in, in his own, own, you know, country, you know, mm. and, and just seeing that and just being confronted by that evil in, in such a grotesque way. Right. Yeah. And he wrote um, some really great uh, books, but one that just like completely shifted around my theology was, it's called the crucified God. Mm. And there's another version of it. It's called um, Jesus Christ for today's world that we're going to put in the show notes. Cause it's yeah. like, it's, it's, basically like a lecture series that was based off of the crucified God, yeah. which was really just fantastic. And so he understood the suffering of Christ as tantamount for understanding the problem of evil. So like if we can really understand how God suffered, then we would have not like a philosophical answer to the problem of evil, but we would have like a pastoral answer to the problem of evil. Yeah. We, would, we would have like, we would understand the heart of God in the midst of suffering. Right. And so he said, impassibility is this old idea that God is perfect and without passion and like passion as in like change, like God doesn't change essentially. Mm-hmm. God doesn't change his mind, but he said that that's, that doesn't really make sense. Like he thinks God does suffer and 
for instance, God, when, when Jesus was on the cross, the father was suffering the loss of his son. Right. And the spirit was this bond of love between the father and the son. Um, that's what even Augustine said that said the spirit was the bond of love between the two. And so he said, impassibility is not coherent relationally with God's moral attribute of love. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if love is patient, love is kind. And then, you know, further down, it does not seek its own, does not take into account wrong suffered, bears all things. And we say, this is the, this is God. This is right. who, who God is. Right. And so God then suffers and, and on the cross, he suffered. The father suffered, the son suffered, the spirit suffered. Yeah. Christ has suffered all that humanity can suffer and more because he was on every side of that suffering right. when he was on the cross, right? Yeah. And so free will does definitely claim many victims. And in Christ, God became the ultimate victim of free will because hmm. he died for the sins that we freely committed. committed. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the best response is this theological response. Yeah. God really does care. He cares so much to the point that he would literally die for you in order to rekindle his relationship with you. Right. So, and, and so we can think of God as Jesus, as our brother in suffering. Right. When we suffer, Jesus is there with us as we suffer and suffering alongside us. You know, this is a quote that Moltmann said. He said, why did God take this suffering of Christ on himself? What is the meaning of that terrible happening on Golgotha? To this question, there are two answers. First, that God should be beside us in our suffering and with us in our pain. That means God's solidarity with us. And second, so that he could be there for us in our guilt, freeing us from its burden. That means God's atoning intervention for us. Hmm. And I just think that's the, that's the right response to think. So yeah. when we're confronted with a problem of evil, which we will be, and it's so much evil in this world, I think we need to think about God as the one who has suffered first. Yeah. And God is the one who has suffered with us yeah. and alongside us. And he's there in the midst of your suffering, mm-hmm. whatever is happening to you. Right. 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 It speaks to that. I mean, he's also like the Christianity is like the only religion that talks about like the highest power, like the God being willing to suffer with people. Like that's not a trait of, other religions in any other aspect like even in mythology like when gods become people they don't suffer they (laughs) like they suffer at the hand of each other but they like they come and they take and they come and they conquer and all that kind of stuff and jesus came humbly it's one of the scandals of of the faith yeah you know (laughs) that he was willing to to show up and to suffer with us And even the verse, it's like, we do not have a high priest who does not sympathize with our, our weakness, with our suffering is he experienced the yeah. worst of it. Mm-hmm. And his, you know, he made, he made a free will choice as man, mm-hmm. as human to die. Yeah. And I think that that is something that one speaks to free will mm-hmm. of if Jesus himself could choose to die, then mm-hmm. And you know, then evil, evil happened, but it also shows the redemption of the, like, yeah, he still chose to die and that was evil, but Mm -hmm. his overcoming of that Mm -hmm. is so powerful for those of us who see the evil in this world that Mm -hmm. like, we know that because of that decision for Jesus to submit to the choice to die, he overcame and he conquered the suffering and the evil of this world. And so that we may too, that we may too do that. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not always, I think what's hard is that's not always a physical conquering. 
Like we don't always see it this side of heaven of right. conquering illness or conquering yeah, oppression. One, one, like it doesn't mean we're going to get it here. One thing, one thing we forget is that Jesus conquering death means that he all the way died. He fully entirely right, yeah. gone, yeah. passed. Yeah, suffering. Yeah, and so the understanding of maybe we're not going to see it this side mm-hmm. of heaven, um, but knowing that even if even if there's no no physical conquering on earth, there is the spiritual conquering of knowing that putting our faith in Jesus means that no matter what suffering we experience on this side of heaven, heaven is coming and heaven is <laughs> where we won't have to worry about the problem of evil right. because to be in the presence of God is to be in the presence of goodness. It's our hope for perseverance and, um, and knowing that God is with us in our suffering. God is with us in the good times. Right. And so no matter what God is there. Right. And so, and I think that's a really beautiful idea that we should kind of, kind of focus on yeah. when, we, when we deal with the problem. But the problem of there or the, the dichotomy would be mm-hmm. of heaven, which means there is a hell. Yes. And that is also something that has been really hard for people to grasp because you often hear the statement like, Oh, well, how can a good God yeah. send people to hell? Like mm-hmm. how can a good God want people to go to hell? And that's even like led to like nihilistic viewpoints for of sure. like, well, then you just disappear because it's not in God's nature to send somebody to hell. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? What, what do you think is a response to people who wonder oh, yeah. how That's that can a, okay. coexist? Yeah. So, so I think um, if we think about the free will defense again, hell would be not a reality that God has created for us to suffer in. Yeah. Cause if you think about like, so God, when he creates things, they are good. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So those things that are evil are not created things. They're negations of created things. Right. This is something that um, Augustine said early on in his, um, in his writings, uh, specifically in confessions. Yeah. And so what he called it, like he said, evil is privatio boni. That's the privation of the good hmm. is the good being held away. And so think about like, like you don't have darkness, you just t- remove light and then you're right. left with darkness, right? right? You don't have like, what is it, sub-zero cold or something like that. You just remove heat and yes. you're left with that, right? <laughs> right? And so you don't have evil, you remove God. Mm-hmm. You remove good and then you're left with evil. Right. And so it's the same thing with hell. Like you don't have hell, you remove God and you're left with hell. Right. It's privation of God. Right. And so what hell would then be is not a place that's sent, but a, a like this is so terrible. But if God has truly given us free will, mm-hmm. then we must receive the consequences of our choices. Right. Or else we don't have that freedom, right? Right. It's the same thing with the chocolate and the vanilla thing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like if you're not going to pick chocolate, then you're going to get vanilla. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so if we say, if you say, oh, I don't, I don't love God. I don't want to be part of, I don't want to be with God. I, I, I want to be eternally separate from God. Yeah. And then God says, psych, you're going to be with me anyways, (laughs) right? Then, then we don't have free will. Right. So it's the, what it is, is not being, not a place that you're sent. If you think about it in terms of free will, but a place that you go as a response to the choice that you've made. Right. And um, yeah, it sounds brutal. But it's, but it's real. It makes sense, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah. I remember being in a Christian, my Christian worldview class here at LPU and I was with Curtis Belcher mm-hmm. and I remember my he made my, uh, my guy, Curtis Belcher. And I remember he made a comment about this 
that kind of rocked my world still to this day. I remember it years later. And he's like that, that God doesn't send people to hell. People choose their way to hell. Yeah. And that was so like, it's, it sounds like a simple concept, but that blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, Oh, Oh my God. Oh, and, and that's, stu- that really stuck with it me. It makes like, logical sense. Like God does not intend to, for people to be separated from him, yeah. which is why he's on the radical pursuit of all of his people, of all of his kids from the moment that they, they, <laughs> they are conscious yeah. of him. Like the, it's the beauty of God doing all of that. But like, I've heard people say, you know, like God is a gentleman, like mm-hmm. he's not going to force himself on you because right. he wants, like, he's going to pursue you. He's going to chase after you, but he wants you to choose him. Forcing and yourself is the, is taking away choice. It's taking away choice. And if there's something that is consistent about God, is there something that about God is that he will let you choose. Mm-hmm. And if you ultimately choose your, the world, the things that you want, the things of, of, you know, maybe demonic or whatever you would, whatever you dabble in, like you're, you're making the choice yeah. to go to hell. And I think that that people want to re- relinquish responsibility from mm-hmm, themselves. Mm-hmm. People want to place blame. Yeah. They don't want to be like, Oh, well, I'm choosing that mm-hmm. because that makes them feel kind of gross where yeah. they're like, Oh, well, I don't want to choose hell. Yeah. But the only option is to, is to choose God. And that requires something of you. <laughs> and uh, th- we can think about it logically again. So if, if God is the source of all life, all things that exist, mm-hmm. then if you're choosing the negation of God, then you're choosing eternal death. Right. That's the, that's the opposite of it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, I think the logical response, but I think like the problem of suffering, the idea here then is, is, is let's look at it ministerially. When God, when someone goes to hell, mm-hmm. the person who is suffering also again is God. Yeah. He has now lost his child for eternity. Right. You know? And so I think it's so wrong and such a terrible Christian witness when we celebrate somebody even evil or wicked dying. Like yeah. we shouldn't celebrate the death of anyone. Right. Ever. You know? Yeah. When Osama bin Laden got uh, killed, I remember there was a bunch of Christians like in the streets cheering and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's like, no, like Osama bin, was justice meant? Like, did, did that need to happen for justice? Yes. But what actually happened, even though is what needed to happen, was still a tragedy that that needed to happen in the first place. Yeah. Not something to be celebrated in any, in any situation. No, we don't celebrate what grieves the heart of God. Right. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's truly what does. Yeah. Did, did what Osama bin Laden grieve the heart of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. And justice needed to be made. That's true. Mm-hmm. But then losing one of his children for eternity grieves the heart of God too. Right. And so we have to remember this. So, um, so God's justice is one that is gracious, one that is good and one that is kind because that's his nature. Right. And so I think we need to be gracious towards each other. We need to be loving towards each other. Yeah. And, um, and in those times of grief, those times of hurt, we have to remember why is someone actually struggling with this? It's probably because they're in the midst of suffering. Right. What they probably need is to be loved by you and to, to know the love of Christ because you are demonstrating it so clearly. Yeah. And theologically, the free will debate is important. But when someone is hurting, that's don't not, hit them. Don't hit them with your free will arguments no. about the problem of evil. When someone is struggling with the realities of evil in this world, mm-hmm. that is when you extend the love and the heart of God. And you are a space of comfort yeah. and you are a space of safety. Um, and you walk through it with people. You don't, you don't hit them with your theological knowledge. This is when you put on your, your pastor hat, your ministerial mm-hmm. hat yeah. and you show them the good they that probably, is God. They probably just need uh, kindness. And yeah. we know that love is kind. 
mm-hmm. and they've probably been hurt by so much that that kindness is going to negate their past experience. Yeah. And so they need to see um, our Christian witness enacted. Yes. And usually that's, that's the situation. But nevertheless, it is important for us to talk about that because we're supposed to be able to defend our faith. Absolutely. And so know it, know when to talk about it, but also <laughs> like pray and, and know what's going on in, in your, in your friend's uh, heart and your friend's life. Cause, yeah. um, cause suffering does happen and it happens for all of us. And a lot of times we just need to be loved, you know? Yeah. And if God cares, we should too. All right. <laughs> so I think that's it. I, I want to mention, I think we forgot to mention cause we do tend to forget to mention this was, uh, as we tend to do, <laughs> this was brought to us by, uh, the College of Theology and Ministry at uh, Life Pacific University, um, of which I work in. And and I am alumni. She's an alumni. And also work at. <laughs> yes, it's super cool. Y'all should check it out. Hey, if you're interested, they've got six online degrees. We've got three. Uh, we, we've got three degrees that are in the School of Theology and Ministry. And they are just here waiting for you to find out all about it at lifepacific.edu. Oh, man, you sound so good for the marketing team. Come on. You're Come on, so marketing happy. girl. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.